Hey, 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 happy Monday, everybody. Welcome, and it's the PHNX Cardinals podcast, your premier Arizona Cardinal podcast. Like and subscribe. Leave us a five-star. Become a diehard. Go phnx.com. Pick up some sweet merch ahead of Black Friday this coming week. 20% off, free shipping, all that good stuff. Check it out. Go phnx.com. I'm Johnny Venerable. He, my co-host, Bo Brock. Very somber Monday for the Arizona Cardinals, Bo. Take the L on the playing field and off subsequently with the loss of what I think is their most impactful player defensively. That's linebacker Kazir White. What can he tell us? Yeah, he's out with a uh, torn biceps, which is usually a season ender, right? I mean, I know that he'd be eligible to return in four weeks. He is headed to IR. Jonathan Gannon, uh, producer Jen- Danielle, he spoke about Kaiser's injury and was pretty forthcoming with it. Here's what JG had to say. Honestly, Bo, you know, it's part of the game. We know that. Um, but, you know, we've had some guys nicked and you know what his value is to the team and to the defense. And, you know, it's, it's hard to see. You know, you feel for all those guys, not just guys here. We've had multiple guys get nicked, just like every team has, you know. And that's, like I said, it's part of the game, the NFL. That's what it is. But uh, it just, it's, it's, uh, just feel bad for the guy. So you have it from the Cardinals head coach. He said that Kazir actually was in the game playing with the torn biceps for about five plays. And, he, and you could see it visibly. I mean, he was playing with one arm out there. And it's just a testament to how tough this guy is, that you're going to have to remove him from the field, even when he suffers you know, a catastrophic injury like he did on Sunday against the Texans. And it was early enough to where you know it, it impacted how the Cardinals played. And I'm sure finished that first half. They were able to overcome it in the second half. But now it's like... Okay, you were able to get through it, and it was a, a fantastic performance to end the game, shutting out C.J. Stroud and the Texans' offense for the second half and forcing two turnovers in that half. But, you know, that's the battle now. you got to continue on with the war without your war daddy and because you're white. Yeah, I mean, here's what this podcast is prepared to tell you on a Monday. I mean, they're they're bracing for, you know, a substantial amount of losses defensively coming out of that game, and, you know, we're talk more about the status of Lecky Foto as the, the week progresses, not hearing good things as it relates mm-hmm. to him being available for the rest of the year. And then I think we all saw what happened to Antonio Hamilton, uh, who I think has earned the title of, of war daddy, has an interception that really should have won this game for the Arizona Cardinals if the offense could do anything. Not hearing good things on that front. So there's a distinct possibility, Bo, the Cardinals lose three defensive starters from this one game on Sunday. And this is a team that's been relatively healthy this year. Yeah. But you talk about like, those are three staples of what you want to do defensively. Everybody clamoring for Marco Wilson to be cut or benched or whatever. I mean, Hamilton being gone makes that less and less likely, but you know, staying on Kazir white, somebody that came over from Jonathan Gannon with Jonathan Gannon from Philadelphia has helped a lot of these young players. He's like an extra coach on the field. We hear that a lot. That's a cliche, but man, what he's able to do with, B.J. Jalari and making sure people are getting lined up correctly. Like yeah. he has been a staple and the Cardinals have been fortunate to have him. And, but you know, barring something unforeseen, he ought to be ready to rock and roll for next year. But now it's, I mean, it's Chris Barnes, Chris Barnes came in. He's got experience, yeah. had played a lot of meaningful snaps for the green Bay Packers. So while it's, there's a drop off there you saw yesterday can make a play an interception. Um, you know, I, I'm concerned about the state of this defense in part because they're not built to carry this team. And yesterday, they gave you in the second half about as gutsy of a performance you could have 
and the offense let them down. So I I hope we don't start to see a revert back to the first quarter of the season defensively, the Giants game, right? The San Francisco game. You know, you do feel confident as long as you had, and I don't want to diminish because you're white, but as long as you have Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson in the back end, hopefully they can duct tape this together here <laughs> for the next, what, six games? I mean, it's, yeah. it's crazy. I think we've got only roughly a third of the season left or a little bit more. But, man, you, you feel for Kazir White because he was having, I think, a borderline Pro Bowl-level season. Thank you, Producer Danielle. And the chat appreciates it. Everybody back at home in the normal spots. Johnny on my left over here. Uh, and, look, I mean, it, it is going to have to be somebody stepping up. And, and Chris Barnes helped out his case as far as, you know, getting that big pick off the deflection yeah. from Antonio Hamilton. And we'll see what Ham's status is. And it's something that Jonathan Gannon said that they're they're working through right now. You had the Adam Schefter. Was it Schefter or was it Rap Sheet? I want to get that right. I believe it was Ian Rappaport that was saying that uh, Lecky Fotu could be destined for surgery on uh, a break in his hand. Yeah. The, you know, bones you have in your hand. Um, but he might play through it. I mean, that was the report, and, and we'll see. We'll have more information come Wednesday, you know, once the first official injury report of week 12 hits, kind of, or obviously who hits the practice field that day, too. But uh, we'll see what Lucky Foto's, you know, status is. I'll say this, though, as far as the Cardinals go, you know, you got Na- Naquan Jones, who the team picked up off and added to the practice squad from Tennessee a couple weeks ago. And, Monty Austinfort was kind of uh, excited about that. Maybe a change in scenery would do Jones right. Uh, big kid. Uh, had some starting, some playing experience with the Titans. And uh, maybe somebody that now that he's more acclimated in the Cardinals system with, with Nick Rollis and JG are doing defensively, maybe he's somebody that uh, that you could elevate from the practice squad and, and fill in for for Lecky Foto and, and Hoskins, who I thought – who they elevated last this past weekend. You saw him, Big 79, making some plays for the Arizona Cardinals on defense yesterday on that defensive line. Uh, I didn't get a chance to ask this to JG, but you see Dante Stills played a ton of snaps on Sunday. I can't imagine him playing 80% of the snaps as well as he's played in his rookie season and is, is going to be a fixture going forward that they wanted him to play that many snaps, just how, how they like to set up the rotation. But because of the injuries that they sustained, you know, it was a necessity for stills to play that much, but this is, this is, you know, I, uh, injuries like, cause you're white, like in Jonathan, again, you heard him when I asked him about it. Like, I, I know this is football. This is part of the game, but this is different. This is, this is a player that transcends, as you said, you know, the playing field and what he does as a mentor, as, as he does as a leader, a coach on the field it's a big blow to this defense. It's the biggest blow. It's with respect to Lecky Foto and Antonio Hamilton. Like I, those are starters, but they're rot- rotational starters. Like Kazir White doesn't leave the field, rightfully so, right? And so you look at the second half of that game. Like hopefully, you know, where Chris Barnes, I think you would get in trouble is starting seventeen games. Can you get solid play out of him for six weeks? I'm gonna tell you right now. Like Josh Woods needs to play better. Than he played yesterday, than he's played a par- times this year. But, you know, if you look at the PFF grades, like Chris Barnes, along with Kazir White, were two of their highest rated players yesterday before White subsequently left the game. So was Lecky Fotu. So I think Lecky Fotu, to me, got better as the season went on. Somebody that was kind of an afterthought was improving. So I'm I'm hopeful maybe he can play through it. Maybe they pat him up and they and they, you know, delay any kind of surgical procedure until after the season or whatever. But for me, it's just like, I think Jonathan Gannon, and I'm ready to say this, and I was going to say this regardless of the status of the injuries today, and we we knew, I posted on Twitter, like, weren't hearing good things. 
Um, I think Jonathan Gannon passed this year with flying cover colors that he can remake this defense and, and make it a an elite unit in the NFL. I mean, mm-hmm. look at the pieces they have. Like people were coming after Jonathan Gannon because he didn't kick field goals, and, and we're going to talk about that. But like, <laughs> look at the look at the personnel he's using. Like, Lucky Fotu was atrocious last year for uh, Vance Joseph. You know, and, and Antonio Hamilton ended up being benched last year. I mean, this is a unit that's playing six rounders and undrafted players and, you know, B.J. Ojolari is like the centerpiece now, and he wasn't in shape to begin the year. So I, I, the offense needs a lot of help from the coaching staff, and it's a big mm-hmm. fucking week for Drew Petsy, and we're going to talk about that. John and Gannon, like how can you not watch what they did yesterday in the second half because I was ripping the, ripping the defense. I'm like, hell, oh, man, you haven't seen this defense in a hot minute. Mm-hmm. What they did against Lamar, what they did against Geno Smith, what I think they were set up to do against Deshaun Watson before Clayton Toon and company vomited all over themselves. Like what they did yesterday against EJ Stroud in the second half, that that was and you'll you won't hear it anywhere nationally. Nobody's gonna give Jonathan Gannon his due. The the defense you can see glimpses of brilliance from this defense. I mean, two interceptions in the end zone, mm-hmm. three in the red zone, and you don't win that game. I I feel immensely confident that Jonathan Gannon with a full offseason, $80 million, 13 draft picks, this this defense could be ahead of the offense in terms of which one can get to top 12, 10 status in the NFL. My money's on the guy right now that's putting together that kind of fucking performance in the second half. It was fantastic. You're fired up. You're fired up. No, it just, it's, it's disappointing because <laughs> the, the offense lost the game yesterday. Right. How many chances? We were sitting at BetMGM, thanks to everybody who came out. And it's just like, mm-hmm. this defense, they have the worst personnel in the NFL, like respectfully. Like, they started the year. We had Sam Monson on from PFF last week saying this defense was the reason they were projected to be the worst team in the NFL, right. to go winless. And they're shutting people out in the, in the second half with a, already an upteen amount of injuries? Like, they didn't play with Kazir White or Lecky Foto in the second half. And they shut them out. That's unbelievable. That's coaching. That's adjustments in coaching. Now we need to see it from the offense. Now it's time for Drew Petsing and company. Figure it out because I'm going to tell you right now, go to overthecap.com. Look where this where this team's money is allocated. It's outside of Buda Baker. It's not on the defensive side. Uh, DJ Humphreys and Kyler Murray and James Conner and Zach Ertz and Hollywood Brown. It's all Will Hernandez. It's on the offensive side. Mm-hmm. That, th- this is a huge week for Drew Petsing and Kyler Murray. Yeah, it's massive. I mean, and that's that's going to be the that's been the status quo. I think that that's what everybody was anticipating when when Kyler Murray came back, and I think they were surprised to see the Russ game come in week two of Kyler Murray's return instead of week one. Um, but the Texans give credit where it's due; they were able to to make the proper adjustments. But yeah, I mean, if you were to tell anybody outside the market, anybody who doesn't follow the Arizona Cardinals closely, like, hey, Dante Stills is having a good season at defensive on defensive line, they're like, who the hell are you talking? Who's that? Dante Stills, never heard of him. Uh, you, you, there isn't one household name on, you know, on the on the defensive front seven. I mean, maybe outside of of Zayvon Collins, and he was a position change guy. And and Kazir White was a guy that was a big part of the defense, but certainly not somebody that that lit up Twitter the day that the Arizona Cardinals signed him to a two year, twelve million dollar deal. But what he did was incredible and can't be understated and can't be discounted. And what was going to happen as far as how they're going to miss him going forward? I think it's 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 Hopefully not as as big as as we're making it out to be, but Chris Barnes, rock solid uh, linebacker in coverage, right? And that's good. Like we, it was on display the other day, right? Yeah. Uh, obviously, with with taking that big interception back, 
one of the three, but where, you know, him getting put in his nose uh, in, in the scrum and, and trying to make tackles through contact and, and shedding blockers, like that's where we're going to see Chris Barnes. But Chris Barnes does have playing experience. When he was in Green Bay, before he suffered an injury last year, he was a guy that the Packers relied upon in their linebacking course. So him getting this opportunity, it's not like he's a complete unknown uh, for this Cardinals team. I'm a little... Uh, I, I hope it, it this doesn't come to fruition throughout the end of the year, but I, I hope that somehow I don't. It, it truly is maybe an indictment how far behind he is and how big of a raw project he is. Owen Papo isn't in the discussion to uh, to jump in there, and and yeah. I've got an inkling, Johnny, and you might have more insight on this, but that they're going to probably go out and find an off ball linebacker to add to this roster. Uh, to make sure that they've got depth uh, with with some experience uh, that that could probably come in right away and play ahead of a guy like Owen Papo, the fifth I rounder think, out of Auburn. Yeah, I think that's a position very similar to center and quarterback, where you have to be able to be somebody that can put everybody else in positions to succeed, and that's asking a lot for a fifth round pick. That's not read and react, worry about one guy. I mean. Hell, we saw it with Zayvon Collins, and we saw it with Isaiah Simmons, albeit under Vance Joseph. They made it through like one practice with the green dot on their helmet, and they were like, you're done. Like, it takes a special individual to be able to run with that. And I think Papo's got a bright future, but he needs like an entire offseason going through OTAs and minicamp and everything with Gannon and, and Nick Rallis. That's a huge responsibility. Um, and And clearly, like, he's not ready for that. I'm not going to call him a bus. I mean, first of all, this is the best draft class they've had in terms of rookies playing in 20 years. So if a fifth rounder isn't ready to step in and, t- and take over calling the defense, like I'm okay with that. But I, I think that it, you're, you're going you're gonna to need some depth and you need a placeholder for the next six weeks. Like if he's, if, if Owen Papo just turns out to be a special teamer, that's, that's fine. That's not a disaster. So f- to me, it's like, okay, now what does everybody else do to pick up the loss of Kazir White? Can the offense pick things up? They certainly need to. Can the pass rush step up? Like Zayvon Collins had a pretty rough day yesterday. I know his PFF grade was actually really good. It's mm-hmm. probably more so in the second half. Like uh, defensively, I saw him in the first half getting run over. I mean, they gave up yeah. a hundred hundred yard rusher in the first half. He has to play better. You know, I I am optimistic that the defense will not fall off completely because I just think they're too well coached. I mean, I think I think you've got. I don't mean to harp on this again. I just think you have a a special DC and a, and a head coach who are in lockstep that have now had six to eight months with their guys to implement what they want to do. And, and it's just, they're pumping new guys in, but everybody's kind of been, you know, associated their acumens where it needs to be that they, they won't embarrass themselves. Right. Who's embarrassing themselves outside of Marco Wilson on this defense. No one, everybody is playing their role. When's the last time Garrett Williams got beaten badly for a a touchdown or whatever. It doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. The run defense was exceptional in the second half. So again, like, I am bullish with the coaching, and when you're able to take, and it sounds like I'm knocking these guys, they are afterthoughts. They are practice squad level players in some instances. This is like a hodgepodge of misfit toys. Go look at Brandon Staley's defense in in with the LA Chargers, and then compare it to Jonathan Gannon's, and you tell me who's the better head coach. Not even close. <laughs> not, not even close. I right. you know Gannon to me won't get coach of the year votes. They certainly haven't won enough games because of the situation at quarterback, but. I mean, I, I would feel immensely optimistic this morning if I was a Cardinal fan on the defensive side of the ball with what we saw yesterday for two quarters. That was an ass-kicking. That was as impressive as you'll see. Fourth down stops, turnover after turnover. 
I mean, outside of Drew Petz and Kyler Murray and the officials yesterday, I mean, it it, it should have been a Cardinal win. Absolutely. Yeah. Brandon Staley doing his Cliff Kingsbury impression. You know, I'm not relinquishing play calling. You know, you can Cliff stop at least asking. was nice to everybody. He was nice he to was. us. He made yeah. us feel good. He had to check his pulse, but at the same time, like, is, is he is, is he alive? Cliff's a good hang. Brandon Staley is a bad coach and looks like would be a terrible <laughs> hang. Like, if you just tried to hang out and have a beer with Brandon Staley, you'd literally just, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know. You'd want to take off quick. Right. No, I mean, I'm looking at the the possessions from, from the Houston Texans. I mean, after they scored, you know, their final touchdown uh, with less than two minutes to go in the first half, it goes our old friend Matt Amendola missing a field goal. And then punt, punt, interception, interception. That that was their second half offensively with with uh, a quarterback that people were saying, "Hey, he's he's more than just the rookie of the year." Let's talk about him for MVP. And the Arizona Cardinals turned his ass over three times. So that that was an impressive performance. The calls, uh, you know, Nick Rollis, you know, was putting in, in putting his defense in uh, position for success. And, and Darren Urban asked Jonathan Gannon about that, like what goes into you know, this defense or just halftime adjustments in general for the Arizona Cardinals. And JG kind of gave a little bit of insight, like they pretty much set up two different scenarios, two different plans. And I think they were able to kind of go with the first plan because it worked to near perfection in the second half. It's great. Yeah. Everything that they did yesterday in the second half worked to perfection. Like, again, not to knock on the defensive side. Yeah. On the defensive side. Not the three consecutive turnover on downs that they finished the game on. We're going to take, is it time to take the offense to the woodshed? You got something else you want to talk about? No, that's fine. I mean, I I would, I think, I mean, if you're looking for a couple names, if if you, you know, Tyreek Maddox Williams is a linebacker that was, that's on practice squad. I think that they might feel like elevating him. Arizona animal. Good point. Zeke Turner is still on this roster. Uh, Maybe they'll give him a couple snaps as an off ball linebacker. So maybe they have enough in house. We'll see. Uh, We'll see if, if Howard Balzer, if he tweets out any, uh, workouts today from from the Cardinals facility, but I mean may, maybe that's that's just a, a that they had some depth that they trust. I mean you're not going to see them making plays, lead the team in tackles and, and TFLs like because you're white. But can can they hold their head above water at the position potentially? Because yeah, I mean that's been the thing ever since JG got here. That's what we learned yeah. about. I mean they're, yeah. they're not they're never going to invest you know premium assets, money, salary cap space in off-ball linebackers like the previous regime. They they feel like... Go ahead. They're confident they can develop them and, and put players with athleticism and the ability to adapt and, and be versatile and, and play with violence. Like they, they feel like they could find a, a bunch of those guys anywhere. I took some flack on this show about two weeks ago when I said I would use two of the first three picks, if not all three, on the offensive side of the football in part, I didn't anticipate the offense looking like this, but I have immense confidence that Jonathan Gannon and Monty Austin Ford can go out, find a corner, find a safety, find an edge rusher, get a defensive lineman. Like if there if there's talent, don't pass up on talent. But I think that w- what we're finding out now is the the Cardinals are doing well with young players that they're able to draft and develop under Jonathan Gannon. The offensive side of the ball. I think is going to have more of a makeover than maybe you and I even anticipated going into this offseason. And and listen, they got six games left. But it's not even just a Kyler Murray thing. It's a throughout the course of the year, what do they have? 10 touchdown passes. They have the 31st or 32nd ranked passing attack in the NFL. And I get it. You haven't had K1, but that I mean that's you you chose to have the quarterback situation that you, you know, 
you rolled out with. You chose to cut DeAndre Hopkins. You're giving other guys opportunities. It's it's a tough look for this offense right now. Um, I want to talk about that, but but first, I want to remind everybody, uh, the Arizona Lottery is here, and it's here to help make you some money. Top prizes up to $500,000. I love scratch-offs. Scratchers are for everybody's Christmas list this year. Shove them in. Uh, my kids love them, but they can't use them, so I use them instead. Uh, holiday scratchers from Arizona Lottery make last-minute shopping easy, and they make a perfect gift. Go grab so. a lucky penny and scratch this off for Dad. <laughs> <laughs> They've all done it. Come on now. <laughs> they just can't turn it into the gas station. This is going uh, poorly. <laughs> 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 the holiday scratchers are here, baby. It's That's Arizona right. Lottery. Uh, again, just $1 to start. They've got some robust ones. They've got some fun ones up to like 5 or $10 with some bigger prizes. But, I mean, who doesn't love a good scratch off during the holiday season? Gifting to some family members, of course, people that are, you know, 18, 21 years and, and up for this for the scratchers. Go out and buy some today, Bo. Absolutely. I mean, you can get them for just a buck. One dollar yeah, is going to get you a chance to win top prizes up to five hundred thousand dollars. As Johnny said, the perfect stocking stuffer, white elephant gift, whatever you got going on yep. during the holiday season, get that going. Arizona's family sports also is going on with the Phoenix Suns season in full swing. They just got a big dub, and you can check out their next one potentially on Arizona Family, AZ Family, wherever you can find their broadcast. You can see, of course, Arizona Family 3 TV, Arizona Family Sports Channel 44. All you need, I mean, bare bones, just uh, maybe some uh, rabbit ears. Just set that up on your television. Get You got a nice 70-inch flat screen. Exactly. You just want to put a coat hanger on the top of that to make it look so good. No, I mean, but that's the, that's the hardware that you need. You can find probably a cheap... Uh, antenna for your TV, or you can kind of just figure out, go to the website where you can watch Suns games on AZ Family. Go to azfamily.com, click Suns games for listing information in your area. AZ Family is a great resource to help you find Phoenix Suns games in your area on Arizona Family Sports as well. All right. So the offense was, I would say, like almost borderline atrocious yesterday, given the ample opportunities they, that they had. I do want to push back a little bit, though. No, let me hear me out. Get some footing here before I try to push it down. They scored seven (laughs) points on the opening drive, and they scored uh, what nine points the rest of the game when they were gifted three turnovers by their defense against a Houston defense that's bottom third in the NFL. I mean, it, it was rough, especially when you consider. They manufactured yards on the ground. James Conner breaking tackles. You know, he had seven point three yards per carry at halftime to not be able to break 20 points against that defense yesterday. And I don't care how rusty Kyler Murray was. Yesterday was an indictment on offensive coordinator Drew Petzing. Again, when you consider the talent discrepancy between the offense and defensive side of the football for the Arizona Cardinals and where the money is allocated, mm-hmm. I get it. Kyler Murray had a rough day at the office. No one's disputing that. No one's going to sit here and make excuses. But at the same time, it's the second game he's played in a year. So I think he gets some grace. Where I don't give grace is with Drew Petzing's opting to say, well, what's actually worked for us at times this year with Joshua Dobbs, ever heard of him? Let's go under center. Let's have a traditional offense, which is what's working in the NFL now. If you look at advanced metrics, teams are winning, lining up in the I formation, under center, running the football, working off of play action. No, what we're going to do is Petzing looked at the 2022 tape and said, let's be Kingsbury-esque. Let's have everything be horizontal. Let's go in the gun the entire game. I mean, that that's a tough... That's a tough sell for this fan base 
when everybody was told we're under center, this is a traditional offense, it's Cleveland, it's San Francisco, maybe a little bit of Philadelphia, why was Kyler Murray not under center yesterday? If if the rationale is, well, he's not ready to do that, then maybe he shouldn't be playing because the offense mm. I saw yesterday, no, the offense I saw yesterday is not a winning offense in the NFL. That, no, that, that it wasn't. A, they they finished with three cons- Kingsbury-ass soft offense. Get, get out of here with that. Why this, are you doing that? This is a bit... In my opinion, no, all due respect, Johnny. No, this is a bit, this is a bit overreactionary for my taste. I mean, as much as I, I, I agree, I watched the game with you as well. I, I didn't, it wasn't good enough. You've heard that from top to bottom, as far as from the, the coaching staff, the players, Kyler Murray included, saying it wasn't good enough. It wasn't winning football. Defense did what they needed to do from this show, the post game show. You, me, Britton Golden, we were a united front agreeing this is, this falls on the shoulders of, of the Arizona Cardinals offense. But I'm not sitting here and saying, hey, like, where the F was Kyler Murray under center? Like, obviously, he's more comfortable in the shotgun, and that also kind of puts James Conner probably not in a position to be as effective running the football. No doubt about it. But, you know, I think that you can also look at the tape and you can see that, you know, Drew Petzing can't do everything for this offense. Like the throw that Kyler Murray missed Trey McBride, like that needs that that's money in the bank. Got to have one that. instance. That's one instance though. And that's the one instance you could and say. And the, Kyler the pick to Hollywood Brown too is another instance. Like those, those are two big plays that, that could have changed uh, the, the direction that this team was going, you know, especially in the second half of that football game. We're going to talk about Hollywood Brown. And again, I, I think a different kind of receiver can at least. You were already a, triggered, and that triggered you with a, another. Make a play on that ball. Pick up. Oh, the we can't be. To, come on, you can't blame Hollywood Brown for that. That ball was underthrown, and look, I, I know he, he underthrew a ball to Trey McBride uh, last week. Trey McBride and Justin made made a catch. Yeah, big physical target. And we'll get Baldy. Baldy will give us. Baldy will you know answer any questions anybody has about that. As far as I've got some questions. Okay. Why why are they not going under center? Like, I'm going to ask you later this week when you talk to Drew Petzing. What's going on? Why is this offense dramatically different? Like Kyler Murray was supposed. This offense was supposed to be finely tuned for Kyler Murray to to be plugged into. Yeah, you modify some of it. You want Kyler Murray to be Kyler Murray. But then, again, this looks like backyard football Kingsbury-esque where it's just like shotgun, you know, Oklahoma, Texas Tech. That shit doesn't win in the NFL. We we know that now. The tape got out on Cliff Kingsbury. Nobody else is running this kind of offense 100% of the time. I, I could not believe my eyes because two weeks ago against Atlanta, they were under center for some of that game. So I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, they're going to ramp it up even more now. They're going to in- increase it by They were basically under center six times. It was a joke yesterday. That was a joke. I don't know what that was. I mean, against Atlanta, though. I mean, Ryan said, D'Amico Ryan said, I've seen this bullshit before. Cliff Kingsbury (laughs) used to run this when I was in San Francisco and we used to eat his ass up every Sunday. That's that's not even, that's, he was excited. That's the, the, Johnny is speculating that D'Amico Ryan said that. That's not, Uh, I think D'Amico Ryan was doing this yesterday. Did you see, we made Will Anderson Jr. look like Nick fucking Bosa yesterday. That's what it looked like. D'Amico Ryan's was like, oh, is that Cliff over there? I can't tell. Drew Johnny said, best Johnny's saying, I'm not overreactionary, but he's saying Drew Petzing is basically running Cliff Kingsbury's option. What was that yesterday? That they're doomed. That there's, that, no, that there's there's no light at the end of the tunnel here just because you don't see enough Kyler Murray under center. I just – this this offense has has a lot to work on. It absolutely does. And, I mean, to expect it to be a well, well-oiled machine by week two, especially when there's our game film of Kyle Murray being back – 
mean, Houston Texans did what they needed to do. Arizona Animal, he's not. He's not. He's he's be, like Johnny is right to an extent, but to sit here and 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 make up quotes from D'Amico Ryan saying that this is Cliff You know, I know, I know, but it's silly. It, like I'm sure though they're just like, well, this is interesting. It's not going to work. What are you doing with the court? Like it also puts too much. I see people saying, well, he's not ready to run under center. He just came back from torn ACL. I would argue it puts exponentially more pressure on Kyler Murray coming off an ACL to be in the shotgun the entire game. Don't be like, did you see the pressure yesterday? Not very good. I can tell you right now, Gannon, Gannon <laughs> after the game was not happy with the state of his offensive line and how yeah. they played yesterday. The offensive um, line. Yeah. I know the metrics say otherwise. The offensive line was not good yesterday. You know when this offense is, offensive line is good? When they can go north and south, blocking under center in a traditional offense with, the, with an eye formation. Under center. You want to mix in some, you want to mix in some, some gu- running gun? Do it. Change it up a little bit. When that's your go-to, you will lose. We saw with this team. And I, everybody, I hate it because it's on Twitter and it's a, it's a narrative around Kyler Murray. You think Kyler Murray's asking him to be in the shotgun the entire time? I think they're not for once, Steph. I'm I'm right a good amount of time, but I appreciate the backhanded compliment. You think Kyler Murray wants to come out and be like, "Yeah, I just want to get teed off on." That 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 you cannot tell me that didn't look like Cliff Kingsbury. You're so offense. over the top right now. I, I love this from Deuce uh, Elite Chat message here saying that Johnny got D'Amico Ryan's uh, from Carissa Thompson's halftime report. That's where he got the quote from. <laughs> I I can't stand the kind of offense because I've been, we've been treated to the opposite. I watched the Cardinals line up and kick ass against good front sevens this year with the offense that they were running earlier. That wasn't what I saw yesterday. What, why, why are we switching it up? If it's because Kyler Murray's not ready to play under center that again, back to my original point, then why is he playing? Because right now the offense you played yesterday is going to get him killed. Who are you going to play in the? In, who's your alternative to Kyler Murray? Well, you shouldn't play in June. He can't play. Can't play. Like he can't. That's 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 true. Right. But you're losing games anyway with this with this cockamamie bu- bullshit. I didn't. <laughs> you're if Drew Petzing against Aaron Donald this weekend lines up under gun for ninety percent of the time, like. I'm going to be saying a prayer on our halftime show. Well, yeah, I mean, it puts a, a ton of pressure on your tackles, right? It's a, it's a, or your guards. The, they got a scrub guard at left left guard right now. They've got liabilities up front in the interior offensive line. We saw what Aaron Donald did already when this offense was under center. If you put Kyler Murray in the gun this weekend against Aaron Donald, you will lose. You will definitively lose. They need to I, go north and south. I just think that Kyler Murray is just does not have any experience under center and that's just why they're easing him into it and you you get what you get with that right i mean he's I, going he's going to get more and more reps in practice and i see him under center and, and bootlegging and all those things and, and it's going to be great once he gets more and more comfortable with it but to expect it week two especially where they they barely did like the the, the sample you saw in week one uh, which was actually week 10 against the Atlanta Falcons. Like he had nine reps under center and three of those were basically putting the ball where Matt Prater wanted it at the end of the game. So like the exchange from Froholt, uh, you know, his dropbacks, you know, his footwork, like all of that comes into play here. How he, how his pre-snap, like when he takes the snap, like there's so many different variables that go into Kyler Murray playing under center that we can't just say, 
why the fuck is he under he not playing under center right now? Two games in to playing in this offense. Yeah, I again like I I hope that that's the rationale. I hope it's like we want Kyler Murray to play. He's not ready to play under center because he missed the offseason. This is what we've got right now. They're not going to come out and say that, but like we ought to be able to read the tea leaves because maybe we won't get Kyler Murray under center consistently until 2024. But I think you're if you're trying to convince the fan base that needs convincing and maybe coaches and executives that he's the guy, you were not setting him up for success with whatever that was yesterday. And again, like you chose to put him on the pup list so he couldn't practice at all with centers during the first six weeks of the season. Like that was your choice. You, you're telling me you couldn't have stashed him at the bottom of the roster and had him work on center no. exchanges and walking through that? Okay, then. So now we've missed everything. We're back now. We've had a month to five weeks, and he's not ready to play under center. Then he's not going to be ready to play under center six weeks from now when the season's over either, if that's what you're telling me. If we're reducing the amount of, of him under center from week to week now, then I better see – like. Cliff Kingsbury won games with this offense that that's not, you know, a glaring, you know, endorsement of it, a glowing yeah. endorsement of it. But look, we're we're looking at the the tale of two different games right now. I mean, in his debut, we see Kyler Murray lead this team, this offense to four consecutive st- scores at State Farm Stadium. You also have to take into the consideration the fact that they're playing in a hostile environment the first time on the road in this offense. That probably played a huge factor as far as operationally getting this offense in a position uh, to make plays and, and probably why they didn't make plays. I mean, I, I think that this week, like I agree, I, I'm in full like lockstep with you as far as this week. Like this week is a prove it week for Drew Petzing, Kyler Murray, this offense uh, to kind of tell, you know, what direction they're going to go offensively for the remainder of the season. But yeah. it's it's a, it's going to be, you've got, where they he led the offense to four consecutive scores, and then you got the offense where he he was under or he was in the shotgun for three consecutive turnover on downs when the defense was balling on the other side of the football. You say four consecutive scores. Some of those included field goals in that game, you know, last week, and then they could have had field goals yesterday. There's a big difference though, and I think they need to take points at this point where they can get them. This offense right now is constructed. If you if this is what you're going to run. And we saw it with Cliff Kingsbury is is very difficult to be efficient in the red zone. Stop. He can please stop. No, I can't. I can't stop. stop. (laughs) They have how many of us sat there after Kyler Murray's long run got called back from the nine yard line to about the 30? Mm -hmm. And what the Cardinals do from there? They went backwards. This this is a how difficult did it look yesterday when Kyler Murray's in the shotgun having to go for it on a design run on fourth down? They made this look incredibly difficult, right? In the offense that they're running right now, you cannot keep it north and south and run downhill. Now, part of that is you don't have Michael Wilson, the, the other receivers outside of Greg Dorch, and Rondell Moore for one play let you down yesterday. Zach Pascal, unfortunately, has been letting you down all year. They've got unreliable offensive pieces. And you couple that now with Kyler Murray, who cannot, like, let's just say it, he can't run the offense that was designed and that they practiced for all offseason right now. So, I, I don't think we should be surprised by the offensive struggles. Had we known this going into this game, like, hey, they're going to do something completely different because he doesn't have the experience right now. Like, no shit. No Michael Wilson. Oh, okay. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to score points. But then it's inexcusable when James Conner is averaging 7.3 yards per carry in the gun or otherwise to not have 25 carries, to not have 30 carries by the end of that game. Like that, that to me, it's just like, come on, Drew. 
we got to be better than this because everybody's going to look at you this week and say, huge indictment of Drew Petzing right now. You're 31st in passing offense in the NFL. You have 10, you have 10 passing touchdowns, Drew. The defense is putting it together with practice squad level players. And they're not embarrassing you. That was that was an embarrassment yesterday. I was embarrassed for for everybody in the <laughs> offense. But also, like when you say, "Hey, you're 31st ranked in passing," it's like you had Joshua Dobbs as your sure. primary quarterback for the bulk of the season, and then a game of of Clayton Tuna, who was historically bad. Like he put up, you know, before the forward pass was a thing type numbers, which is but not. They great. chose to do that. That that gets me back to my original point. They chose not to sign a competent backup. They chose to cut the hop. They chose to start the Clayton Tune yeah. against Miles Garrett, the sacrificial game. Th- these are they all chose that- to hit the reset button to rebuild sure, this fair. team with the but idea that, of that, a consistently successful fans team. After yesterday, are not going to he- don't want to hear that though. They're like, Why? okay, fans, you told fans us, need to be patient with this. You told I mean, us Kyler Murray's back. You told the us. defense is ahead of schedule. Where are the points? Where are the po- we waited. Everybody patient or impatiently waited. Hey, Kyler Murray's not ready. He's impatiently. We're going to tease week one. We're going to tease week five, whatever it is. Okay, here's three turnovers in Houston, and we're going to hold him to 21 points. Oh, sorry. Can't get to 20 points. Might as well be Joshua Dobbs or Clayton Toon. That's the kind of production we got with those guys, so frustrating. Yeah, the one thing you can you can say, though, is in, in I thought Kyler Murray's words post-game in the press conference, you, you could tell that – there is a difference as far as Kyler and, and how he speaks post game now and, and how he's taking more accountability. And it, it really feels like uh, just Jonathan Gannon today kind of shed some light on how K one's been relentlessly trying to figure out what went wrong on Sunday. And this is him talking about his franchise quarterback on the phone. And uh, I'm glad I have, what's it called? Uh, I don't have to put the phone in my ear anymore. Uh, Bluetooth. Yeah. Bluetooth. <laughs> Um, and then I couldn't get my gate open, so I'm like, eh, you know, I gotta go, but uh, get the gate fixed, Tom Bob. But uh, yeah, he, he 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 well, he watches the tape with his, and then he watches it with Drew, and then he comes back to me, and then he wants to talk about it more. I mean, he's he's got fire in his gut, you know what I mean, and that's cool. So there's some good you hear about your franchise quarterback. There's some bad that your the head coach of your team is 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 less technologically savvy than our, our parents are. No. Has, he, he has to be reminded what Bluetooth is. It's only no, I spent an like hour driving years. to bed MGM yesterday on the phone, trying to help my parents set up red zone. Jonathan Gannon is, is not less tech savvy than my parents. God bless him. No, he's not. And by the way, Jonathan Gannon can coach defense. He can coach this yeah. side of the ball. Like Jonathan Gannon could, could walk out with a, with a tablet, a chisel, like the caveman, and I wouldn't be worried about it because he can motivate and get defensive players to overachieve. So uh, JG, in my opinion, JG's having a good day today. I know he took the yell yesterday. I know he's the head coach. He's the CEO. You got you to gotta help all three phases. But, I mean, how would you feel if you're Brandon Staley or the fan base in certain areas where it's like can't score points, like offensive head coach and vice versa? Like this defense was supposed to be atrocious. I'm talking like 31, 32 points per game. Anybody can tell me right now where they're at points per game, 25, 25 points per game. They're giving up this year. And that's with an egregious second half performance breakdown Mm -hmm. against Danny dimes or having to play San Francisco. That's with one of the toughest strength of schedules in the NFL. They're not playing the cupcake AFC South or the NFC South. Like they're playing real teams. He's given up 25 points per game with this defense. Yeah. And the offense had an off day in 
you know, like, like you said, like I said, like the chat saying it's a big, big week for Petsing and Kyler. Let's check out our uh, super chats here. Deuce jumping and having a hot day on the keys in the chat. Uh, $5. Thank you so much. Our fan base is insane. Keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. New QB 24 K1's too small. Doesn't fit a pro scheme for PA. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I'm, I mean, people ask for... No, no, no. He's saying they, they need a new quarterback. No, he's not. Put that back up. Yes, he, he is. He's saying what the fan base is clamoring for. No, no, no. He's saying we're doing the same thing over and over again with the quarterback we have. Need a new QB for 2024. K1 is too small. Doesn't fit pro scheme for, for petsing. For yeah. play action. Well, That's what he's saying. I, I, agree, I agree to an extent as far as the fan base clamoring for the same things that, that they were clamoring for last year when patients should be preached here. I mean, when, when you're at, you wanted the wholesale changes to happen and they did. And, and then there's the rebuild that's going in the right direction with, from, you know, the front office, to the coaching staff, and it's resonating and it's, it's kicking in with the roster and, and you're getting more with less. I mean, I think that, there, there needs to be patience, and you're going to have games where your offense sputters and doesn't perform. And, and in the complementary football, you're devoid of complementary football, unfortunately. Now, once you get the talent on the roster and you, and you match it with the coaching staff, you're going to see less and less of that. But right now, game two with your franchise quarterback back in there in a new offense, it, it's you're going to have some hiccups. He tore his ACL, and it's his second game. Like, do you guys think like a month from now when he doesn't, when he sets his feet, he makes that throw to Trey McBride? I'm guessing he will make that throw. I've seen him make that throw. Yeah. Like that. I've seen Kyler Murray be a top quarterback in the NFL, an MVP candidate. I know he can do it. But my pushback is why isn't he doing it in the offense that we were promised he would do it in? Because I think that's the biggest breath of fresh air that a lot of us got from Drew Petz in this offense. It's like, this Cliff Kingsbury offense is finesse with sm- with s- and small, and that gets you beat. Whereas yeah. when the Cardinals were winning games earlier this year with Drew Petsy, it was like physicality. Like Dobbs, say what you want about him, runs and is physical. Trey McBride, physical. Michael Wilson, physical. Let me ask you something. You yeah. just mentioned him right there at the end. Michael Wilson, out. Zach Pascal, out. Your two best blocking wide receivers were not available this game. Do you think that that played into them not leaning on the run when you got Rondell Moore, Greg Dortch, and Hollywood Brown as your receivers trying to block, uh, you know, on on a running play? I I think it played a big role. I think that absolutely played a factor into it, and I it gives me hope that like, okay, this is a mulligan. I don't want to see this again. Like. It, you want to have an ideology of what you want to do offensively. When Petsing was in Cleveland, nobody under six foot could play wide receiver for them, right? They have an idea of what they want to do. Like Kyler Murray can play under center. I don't want to hear people say he can't play under center. Like, do they want to throw him into the wolves against D'Amico Ryan? It doesn't, doesn't sound like it. it. Sounds like they're slow playing this under center thing. I hope they get it remedied. But like ideology for this offense should be downhill, play action to big physical receivers. And that, I mean, when you start talking about the state of this wide receiver core, there's one guy in this wide receiver core getting opportunities and making the most of them. His name yeah. is Greg George, playing bigger than he is. And you can be undersized and play slot receiver. You cannot, in my opinion right now in this offense, be under 5'10 and play outside receiver. Because what we'll see is, with Hollywood Brown, unfortunately is you can't make 50-50 balls. You can't go up and get the acrobatic catches. Like Kyler Murray had the most success of his NFL career in this offense or otherwise, with A.J. Green, 
DeAndre Hopkins, Farrell Cooper, Zach Ertz, big physical tight ends and wide receivers, guys that are over six foot, guys that play bigger than their size. Like that playing with a bunch of five, nine, five, eight, five, seven receivers in a shotgun offense, you were asking to get your ass kicked. And that's what happened yesterday. You, you got to be able to find a way. If you're not, if if you've got guys that are out, tailor your offense and and do play action with the tight ends or whatever. They dressed four tight ends yesterday. I thought they were going to emphasize that more. Trey McBride did not have nearly enough targets yesterday. Can we agree on that? Yeah, I mean, he played 100% of the snaps. He was certainly out there. Um, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I just don't know. Sometimes your, your hands are tied with personnel. And sure. it, I agree it was, with that. It was, it was a tough day. Um, I mean, and, and also the idea that he can't play under center, like because of his ability or inability to see the field, like that ball he threw to Rondell Moore, he's, he's got Will Anderson or Will Hernandez right in his face. Like mm. he saw, he saw Rondell Moore streaking down the field. Like I, I have a tough time buying into that, that, uh, that, that idea. So, um, we, we, maybe the Arizona Cardinals could get potentially, uh, a wide receiver in the draft. We're going to do a mock draft before we get out of here. Um, one thing that we brought up was, was Jonathan Gannon dealing with uh, Monday morning quarterbacks. Uh, he's getting some of that at home as well. We'll get into that in just a little bit, but Johnny, uh, we got some great things going on with our friends over at desert financial. Don't we? They, they are fantastic. My favorite credit union, my go-to credit union and the credit union desert financial of our Arizona Cardinals for more than 84 years Desert Financial has been Arizona's largest, most trusted local credit union, dedicating creating exceptional experiences by giving back to the community, providing financial solutions that make life better. Again, checking, savings accounts, mortgages, loans, credit cards, investment options, and more. Again, if you're an Arizona sports fan, look no further. There's no better place to do your banking than Desert Financial Credit Union. It's the only place that you can show your team spirit Every single time you make a purchase, they've got the exclusive Arizona Cardinal debit card that I may or may not have. I'd show you, but you goons would steal my banking information. That wouldn't be good for anybody. Show your team spirit. Open a free checking account online and get an Arizona Cardinal Visa debit card. Go to desertfinancial.com slash cardinals to get started. A lot of interesting Amazon purchases would certainly happen also on game time if you put your your debit card up on the screen for people to take. Also, with game time, buying tickets, you can get some really affordable tickets for the Cardinals' next home game against the Los Angeles Rams. Why not check in? Uh, I already got tickets. Uh, my wife and son went to the Giants game earlier this Ooh. season. It was so easy. Of course, the app, you jump in there, you buy the tickets, you even can buy a parking pass for like, pennies on the dollar i mean you can get yourself a parking pass real easily i think we bought one for four bucks so instead of having to break the bank just trying to park and go to the game go to the event whatever you might be wanting to check out check out game time download the app it's the place for last minute ticket deals download the app create an account use the code phnx for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create that account redeem code phnx it's going to get you 20 bucks off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price Guaranteed. Uh, we've got another super chat uh, here from Deuce, who again, very and listen. Everybody's opinion is welcome here, even if yeah. no one I don't agree with it. Doesn't mean somebody's wrong. Five dollars. Why every QB outside of K one, including preseason, played under center, but Kyler can't. Shotgun, not Drew scheme friendly. I agree with that. Need K one to adapt or move on one hundred percent. They love Kyler Murray. 
I can tell you definitively, and I've tried to dig as much as I can over the course of Kyler Murray's return to practice now in the lineup, they they would 100% want to keep Kyler Murray, assuming things don't you know fall off the tracks here. Barring an injury or just <laughs> catastrophic play that forces the issue, they're going to keep Kyler Murray in 2024. Like I feel more confident about that even after this game on Sunday than I did even a month ago. I mean, you posted the screenshot of of Gannon and, and Kyler Murray together, mm-hmm. you know, after K1 threw that bomb to Rondell Moore. They have a bond, they have a belief in Kyler Murray. And like if 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 you can't figure out how to get Kyler Murray to play under center, you should be fired. You should not be an offensive coordinator in the NFL. If you can't make it work with this young man's skill set and his talents, then you shouldn't be the offensive coordinator. That's a you problem. That's not a Kyler Murray problem. Kyler Murray will play under center if you ask him to. Now, if you're not a good enough coach to be able to get him up to speed, I'm watching Kevin O'Connell with Joshua Dobbs. That's impressive, Drew Petzing. Drew Petzing that comes from the same coaching tree as Kevin O'Connell, the Shanahan coaching tree. Like, figure that out. That's why I'm, that's why, like, Kyler Murray made mistakes yesterday. Are we going to put it on the guy that's coming off an ACL that's never done this before? Are we going to put it on the guy, the offensive coordinator, who's supposed to be primed and ready for three months, tailoring this offense for Kyler Murray to succeed? That that was not what he did yesterday. Well, he was also trying to tweak and tailor an offense without Kyler Murray while preparing Kyler Murray. Like, and I think that he's done a very admirable job. And and what he was able to do with with Joshua Dobbs for uh, part of that, right, to get a, a win over the Cowboys, to to be able to remedy the issues that happened, and you saw on full display in the season opener. Like, I think Drew Petzing has done some things that you should be encouraged about this. Not not including this past weekend, right? I mean, he's he's going to have to shake it off, and, and the offense is going to have to revert back to where it was against the Atlanta Falcons. But you got to give him a little bit of grace here. I mean, this is a guy that's had to prepare three different starting quarterbacks, and one of them is starting caliber quality, right? And Kyler Murray, and if yeah. he wants to, if if Kyler Murray, like this is this is a, this is a uh, collaboration, and I'm sure Kyler Murray says I'm more comfortable in shotgun right now. That they're gonna, they're probably gonna err on the side of him being comfortable right now as he eases his way back into it. But I agree, at some point, yeah, if if the offense calls for a bunch of under center, which we've heard is going to, then he'll get under center. But not, you know, the fact that it hasn't happened two two games into it, I'm not hitting the panic button just yet. Let's take a look at some of more of these uh, super chats, Johnny. Uh, C man, Eck, I think, uh, 499. Thank you so much. Manich, uh, need more Hollywood on 50, 50 balls. Good luck with that. Not good throws from K one, but inexcusable. That ball got picked. Didn't like the effort ball, but I'll give you the floor. What's your synopsis? I know we touched on it briefly yesterday on the post game show. Hollywood Brown right now is averaging 31 yards per game this season. Hollywood Brown has not had a 100-yard game this year. Hollywood Brown doesn't have over 50 yards in a game since week five. He was supposed to be poised to explode with the return of Kyler Murray. Yeah. Very much the opposite right now in the desert. Yeah, Hollywood Brown is if just like if you were to put your debit card up on the screen right now, you'd be hemorrhaging money out of your account. And that's what he's doing for himself, this free agency with this this slump he's in, right? And you can point to the quarterbacks, right? Jo- Dobbs certainly missed him on some like pretty deep shots that would have resulted in a touchdown. Uh, and Kyler missed him, right? Um, so, but Hollywood Brown, you know, on a down to down basis, I think can be, he, he's got to make his impact known. He's got to be undeniable. And we just haven't seen that from Hollywood Brown. And, and it kind of matches more up to what we, what we feel like we've seen from Hollywood Brown in his career. 
Like Hollywood Brown hasn't been a consistent performer since he was drafted in the first round out of Oklahoma. And that's that's unfortunate because you see the skill set, right? You see the elite speed. And you know, he, he's, not, he's not getting Where's that ad. Do you see the elite speed? Like I I, I they've missed some that ball is put in front of him yesterday. It's it's on full display, right? And okay. I think he's he's shown it a couple times. And you know, I know he's 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 nicked up as well and he's dealing with some issues, but uh, he's, he's, it's not slowing him down to where he's, he's just, you know, some dude out there, some Jag just running routes. I mean, he's still got top end speed in the NFL. I just don't think this offense plays to his strengths and vice versa. I, I mean, he got traded to this team when they were running a very different offense and I commend him because he hasn't complained and, you know, has acclimated himself to this new coaching staff. I just, sometimes you're just not a good fit. You could be working for a company and you like the people there. It's just like, I'm just not a good fit here and vice versa. Like my, my skill sets, my talents aren't being utilized. It's a big reason why you want out of Baltimore. I just, to me, it's like the numbers are what the numbers are. This is a production-based business. And, you know, the Cardinals are going to have a lot of money available, but that doesn't mean that they should spend a lot on what's, what's not working. Because like if you pay Hollywood Brown $15, $17 million per season, going into next year outside of the promise that Kyler Murray is going to be his quarterback, hopefully for 17 games in 2024. Like, it's like, why you want to reward people for what they haven't done, maybe what they're projected to do. That's, that's a dicey, risky proposition. You're betting on somebody that in the latter half of his twenties is going to suddenly start blossoming into a consistent thousand yard receiver. Like I get it. He hasn't had a good quarterback play this year. You can't dispute that. He is not, on pace for anywhere near a thousand. No, no. I mean, you can, yeah, you can point to the the missed deep balls, but like, where is it in the in between place? Right. Like when you look at when you look at, at the top wide receivers in this league and the guys that that you know earned those big paydays, right? You know, Devonte Adams, uh, you know, the guys that uh, you know, Cooper Cups, the, the guys that they're, they're undeniably open. They've got tons of space between them. And, and defenders and they're making big play after big play. And even when they've got defenders draped over them, they're making plays or there's bad throws. Like they make up for it and, and they force their quarterbacks to target them in the passing game. Uh, and, and Hollywood Brown, I don't think he's, he's doing that for himself right now. Like he was doing it a little bit last year before the foot injury, who was one of the most heavily targeted NFL, you know, wide receivers in the league. And he was performing, but we're just not seeing that right now. Like how many targets does he have in the last two weeks? Five. That means you're not getting open. I yeah. mean, it's just at the end of the day. Topic 64, friend of the program, 499 draft time. I like that. Two tall receivers and at least two corners, one of which should be plug and play. I think they're going to sign a corner in free agency to a decent amount of money. I've been told like that they, they need a they need an adult. They need like the Kazir White version of a cornerback to come in, help the secondary outside of Jalen and Buddha, who obviously are fantastic at safety. And then, yeah, I agree. Go draft a corner. Whenever you feel like it's appropriate, uh, Matthew four ninety nine. I like Drew. All the coaches agreed, but the offense wasn't balanced. Kyler also changed call at the line quite a few times. I mean, he's your franchise quarterback. He's got you know every right to 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 kind of check what he's seeing on the field. But I also think like if you're poised under center and you're running a certain kind of offense, like it's easier to, to defer to to a, a quick run or a quick out or whatever you want to do where you're not mm. having pressure in your face. Like it just felt like to me, I was having PTSD of, of the last couple of years where defensive ends, defensive tackles were allowed to tee off on Kyler Murray. And like, not to say that couldn't happen under center, but it just feels like, like how many times do we see Joshua Dobbs get smoked? I mean, yeah. they, there were games he was barely ever touched. 
I think you're asking a lot. Yelda Froholt has been in one offense during his career. It's not the offense we ran yesterday. I think DJ Humphreys and Paris Johnson Jr. are much better going downhill, especially as DJ gets older. And let me commend, I know we're not doing trending up, trending down. I think DJ Humphreys trending up yesterday, getting it out and playing well. So there, I, I can be positive. There you go. First, first one on the show. Pumped about that. It only happened uh, 56 minutes and 50 seconds into it. Last two games, nine targets for Hollywood Brown. Three catches, 46 yards. Uh, uh, one, bad. one bad play call from uh, on a reverse from Drew Petzing oh for minus God. six yards. Now, I, I mentioned before, T's going into to break, that Jonathan Gannon's taking flack for his decision not to go for the take the points and he kicked the field goals. It extends even to when he goes home. This is what JG said he's taking from his, his kids. Sure, because I don't think they had school, but, uh, God, go to bed. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> kids, dad, just kick three field goals and you win. <laughs> I got it. I got it. But, uh, Rocco, I know. Could you imagine that? Lola says, Dad, you need a new strategy. I got it. Um, no, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, it's a little bit different each week, truthfully. So basically just having fun with it. And people are like, your kids know, but you don't know. Like that's pathetic. Oh my God. Who's saying that people right. in the media room just, or just, online, just, uh, just goons on Twitter. And that's okay. fine. Right. Uh, everybody in the press room knew he was joking around. He was, jo- he probably felt like it was a safe space to, to make that joke on, on his own behalf. And like he, he, he was asked about, you know, situationally, would he go for it in the future? You know, what went into that? And he basically, you know, it was all game flow, and he, I, like we said yesterday, like we kind of speculated. Like, oh, he what? He didn't know his defense was going to pitch a shutout no. in the second half. I mean, anyway, they, see this offense they, in the first they, half of the yeah. defense. I mean, CJ Stroud had thrown for two touchdowns and what close to 250 yards in the first half. They were on pace for 42 mm-hmm. points and 500 yeah. yards. Can everybody call? Like they needed touchdowns. Come. Yeah. But he kicked field goals last week against Atlanta. Did he just like suddenly not know how to do situational game management? No, it's because the Cardinal defense played a more complete game against the Atlanta Falcons. Oh my right. God! You now you earlier in the show you're pounding the table for an all offensive draft. Let's see if uh, you're going to put your <laughs> your money where your mouth is. Let's pull up the uh, PFF all right, mock draft simulator. It. I can't. I I do not even want to look at where that. I don't even know where that Houston's pick is. I've avoided mock draft. Twenty-one. What's that? Twenty-one. Twenty-first. That's actually not as bad as I thought it would be. Okay. I thought, you know, I had my son asking me, like, how far can this get pushed down? And I'm like, 32. And he's like, oh, no. Wasn't that supposed to be like top 10, Dad? And I'm like, listen, we're, we're, we'll count those chickens when they hatch at the end of the year. But right now, 21 is not as bad as I thought. So here's the mock draft simulator. You go three, let's go three rounds. Let's do the six picks. Wow. Are you sure? Okay. Yeah. Six rounds here. Um, Arizona Cardinals, number two. We don't have to check their other picks because they default uh, in the first round. So we're going to enter the draft here. And uh, look at that. Cardinals are picking second overall uh, mm-hmm. after they, they moved out of the top three last week. Okay, so here's the situation that's going to present yourself. I think what you do in this situation is you call up New England and basically say like, hey, you know what? The Giants are on the phone. The Titans are on the phone. Yeah. The Washington Commanders are on the phone. They want Drake May, and I would try to do a one-down trade with with the new england patriots how do you feel about that i i you know i tried to pull off that trade all day long i was toying with the mock draft simulator i couldn't get the new england patriots to bite on a deal like that well your boys here to help you if you can if you can be like monty is uh like you're 
in taken and you're on the phone and you're, and you're just making, you're just a boss on the phone, then, then make that deal. I just don't think that you're going to be able to get it, get it done. And maybe Bill Belichick, if he's still in, in the seat that he, that he is right now, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. I, I mean, I don't want to force this trade. If they're not going to make it, it's an easy answer for me. Oh, I was going to f- definitely force it. This is just definitely a scenario that could that could play itself out. You don't it want to could. force it. You want to get cute? No, just just take Marvin Harrison and, and let's get going. Okay, I'm gonna. I can't even offer one percent. All right, so you've done this already, so you're yeah, cheating basically. All times. right, no, I mean, I, I like to be uh, you know prepared for the show <laughs> that I'm about to do. All right, so I Marvin Harrison Jr. is on this team. Hollywood <laughs> Brown's not on this team. Do you feel confident in that? Yes, I do. I mean, I think you immediately upgrade in in where you were lacking yesterday in that size at the wide receiver position, as Topic 64 said just a few moments ago. Get some size on on that side of the football, uh, running routes. And Marvin Harrison Jr., like you posted today, the Cardinals receiving statistics. I don't even know if they add up to what Marvin Harrison has this year at Ohio State. He's at close to 1,100 yards receiving. He's a monster in the red zone. He's everything that you want. He's generational. So the Arizona Cardinals get Marvin Harrison Jr. at two. That's a win. Uh, this is a tough spot here. Um, I'm going to Cooper DeGene, who is suddenly becoming a darling of this program here. He, he got hurt. We're going to see. He's he's an outlier kind of player for reasons we've discussed. He's out of the first past. round. Yeah, I, I, I think we're going to eliminate off, him. Odds against him, white corner. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's the first You off. said it. I didn't. We, right. But that's a fun little footnote there. Yeah. He's a white then corner. He's got, he's got a leg injury. He's out for the year with obviously college. They can use their, their, their uh, smoke screen there. It sounds like it's, it's probably an ACL, a, a ligament issue. And it's going to be a long time. And we saw what happened with a guy like Garrett Williams. You, you plummet down the, the draft boards with that. He's not in play at 21. I'd like to see what trade options you have here. Because uh, this, because you got Marvin Harrison Jr. You're not going to go with the two wide receivers here, um, unless you see somebody like the big tackle, big six seven tackle out of Georgia and Mims. He no, you're not taking a wide receiver here. This is have crazy. You seen, have you watched Keon Coleman play this? I year? have yeah, watched, yeah. but have hear you me seen out? Hear me Marvin out, Harrison? real quick. Stop. Don't do this. You've been talking. I want to say something. All right, Michael Wilson's missed two out of three games, and I like Michael Wilson a lot, but. I don't think Michael, if this type of scenario presented itself and you couldn't trade out of it, I think you would have to consider it if you deemed Keon Coleman a top 15, top 12 type of prospect, which a lot of people do. Uh, you're telling me you you wouldn't be tempted to, to try no. out two six-foot-three no. beasts next if year I'm, for Pat no, Murray? Because if I'm Monty Osafort, I want to keep my job, and that's that's reckless. To, to take he told, two- he's told us to our face that they view wide receiver as a valuable top position, like a priority They took position. one. Second overall. Did you forget? Do you have amnesia? They take so they took Marvin Harrison that's Jr. A big, that's a, I, and I love Michael Wilson. So you're saying you're comfortable with Michael Wilson over yes. Keon Coleman. Okay. Yep. Yep. So I'm, I'm either going Mims at a, at a, te, at a Georgia. 6'7", 340, just a mountain of a man. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, the, that's the pick. That's the pick here. And right. now, I mean, now we're going with what you pretty much called for and going offense. No that sacks allowed. Is that good? In uh, 2023, is that what you want? Let's do I'm it. I'm tell you right now. I I've researched the top tackles more so than Mims, but just we're gonna go chalk here because yeah, that's where the value is in this draft right now. Wide receiver and tackles. Uh, as we go to pick number 34, and uh, I don't know why Shadur Sanders is in this draft, but I mean. You like edge rushers from the Big Ten? That do anything for you? Yeah. 
I'm going to tell you right now, I think this guy's going to get run over by Michigan this weekend, but that does not make <laughs> me any less excited to welcome him uh, as a member of the Arizona is Cardinals. Is Terry Arnold, is he available out of, uh, out of Bama? Uh, it doesn't look like it. So here's some of the no. picks that went before. Yeah, he went to Detroit. Uh, okay. A couple. Of, I mean, this could be trade-up situ- scenario with the Arizona Cardinals, depending on where they're at. Coleman falling to 25. That's brutal. I do want to go back and check out the top 10 if I could real fast. So we had May go third. Brock Bowers fourth, gross to the Bears. That's exactly what the Bears don't need. Uh, Cole Komet, that's a that's a kind move. Um, look at that, the Bears passing on a generational tackle for Brock Bowers. Uh, Newton going seventh. I think you're going to see more and more of Newton in the top ten. Joel go ninth. That's the tough part. Like I love Marvin Harrison Jr., but you better be comfortable than having a either a project tackle or hoping and praying somebody falls to twenty one and maybe you keep DJ Humphrey's phone number, but. As it relates to pick 34, is there a position you want to look at? You want to maybe pull up some guards obviously, here? Obviously, corner uh, guard wouldn't be too bad, but you know, you're know, you looking at corner, maybe Kamari Lasseter. He might be still on the board, DJ James. Yeah. What's uh, the size I mean, on Kamari? Is he, you got, he's got yeah, six he's feet, I believe. I think he's just I, you know standard. I think that's the play here. Uh, I think the value match is 36 to 34, or 37 to 34. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm calling and screaming for defensive line help. I'm not seeing it right now. It's no, nothing. It's available. a deep draft, though. It's there. There's depth, and you'll find it later in the draft. I think that you'll be able to get some beef there. Okay, we're gonna go uh, corner here. Back to back Georgia picks. Listen, it's working for Hallie Roseman. Can it work for the Arizona Cardinals? I don't dislike uh, drafting players from a team that might win back to back national championships. Uh, I'm gonna tell you right now. I know where this pick should go. Looking at who's available on the board, you tell me what you want to do. Are you talking with? Are you talking about the running back spot? Oh yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I would probably because I look at two interior defensive linemen, uh, Dorius here, and then also you've got Wingo playing in the SEC for LSU. Here's why. Go- here's why I can agree with that. Because look at you got you got an option here. Four picks later. Yep. You want to go Pac twelve? Uh, I would probably go with Pac twelve. I would probably go with the LSU. Well, I mean, I like Oregon's defense actually. They they kind of uh, they kind of bucked the trend as far as bad defensive uh, Pac-12 teams. This guy six foot one and a half, two ninety five as compared to you know, Gannon. They run a four three ish kind of defense. This guy's six three two ninety. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Oregon Duck. I'm gonna. I, I'd right. like to see this guy play a bowl game here. Uh, all right. This this is this is the pick in my opinion. You think uh, I let, I, you think he's a, a two to three down back in the NFL, Blake Quorum? Yeah, I think. I, I, think I know he's, he's only sized. Yeah, I know he's five eight. All right, was well, you like Trey Benson more? I think he's more of an every down type. Florida State is good. All right, I that yeah. I can swallow Their that. Poor quarterback's leg was yeah. going the wrong direction. Poor one out yeah. for him. That's fair. That's fair. Blake Blake. I still think Blake's going to have a good NFL career, but. Um, I'd be a hypocrite if I said this offense is too small, then we take a 5'8 running back at pick 70. So you're, you're okay with the back regardless of pick 70. Let's though. do it. Yeah. All right. Helping Kyler Murray, man. That's what cooking this right is about. now. Uh, pick 85. You smell that? Uh, smells good. Cooking something up here. It's called a, a draft. Don't don't even look at Jeremiah Trotter Jr. Even though like, <laughs> this is more acceptable 85 range. 85 is okay. 85. <laughs> Wouldn't it be so poetic? after you traded Isaiah Simmons away for pennies on the dollar to come back and get it. Jeremiah Trotter actually plays linebacker. 
Yeah. Simmons didn't play linebacker. I think this is fine. You you don't have you have a problem with this? No, I mean you obviously looking at what happened today. Oh, like how much you know her name? <laughs> I don't even know if, if that was if you strung <laughs> together actual words from the English language there. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, this is a more acceptable spot. Sure, this guy is a better football player than Isaiah Simmons coming out. He's a football. Look, because your whites comes back because your white comes back from the bicep. You you couple him. You you're set at linebacker. You know, it, it's I don't think that they're set anywhere. Uh, this this Jeremiah Trotter Jr. is is a rock solid player. He's had a, a really solid uh, NCAA career for Clemson. His dad was a badass for the Philadelphia Eagles. Linebacker is in his genetics. Uh, it's a good this is a good draft. I think anybody would sign up for. I know that people are going to be upset because we couldn't trade down. But again, why you want to water down with more picks? You want to take the best receiver prospects since Calvin Johnson. Do you want another Larry Fitzgerald? Cause that's what you're getting in Marvin Harrison jr. Uh, this draft again, via pro football focus, you guys like A's? How about them? Apples <laughs> right there? Only didn't love the Trey Benson pick, which is I'm, I'm sure PFF just kind of devalues running back in general, but Mims at a B plus Trotter, a Marvin Harrison jr. A plus. I mean, this it's a good way to start this uh, six-game stretch here. We got a quarter of the season left, Bo. Any final thoughts on this mock? I mean, you, you answer a couple of the question marks on the defense. The t- defense, obviously, what we've seen, the coaching staff do, able to do more with less. You add a, a player the caliber of, of Lassiter. Uh, you get some beef in there from Dorius, the Pac-12 player from Oregon. And, and I think at both those positions, DB and interior defensive line, you're adding in free agency as well. To Dante Stills, and and then we'll see, you know, Garrett Williams, obviously, the cornerback position. Now you've got four players that you feel comfortable potentially moving forward with. And then you had a player, you know, I, I think Trotter, obviously not a premium position, but somebody that can play big downs for a team right away. Uh, very, you know, huge, hugely like productive at Clemson during his career. And then Trey Benson at 70, just like Mike Wilson, can be a starter in your offense right out of the gates. My favorite part about this, you know where I'm going with this, uh, Ohio State, big boy program, Georgia, elite, Oregon, elite, FSU, winning the ACC. And this is the outlier. But again, you have three plus third rounders for a reason. Like you can splurge with the hopes of hitting on a Fred Warner-esque type of inside linebacker prospect. That doesn't say five, fifth overall. That says 85th <laughs> overall. That's, right. that's how you do it. That's how Monty Austin Ford does it. That's how your boys do it here on PHNX <laughs> Cardinals with a, a nice little mock draft to kick off the week. I'll tell you another great way to kick off your week, joining the inner circle with our friends at Circle K. It's America's thirst stop. I filled up this morning. I saved 25 cents per gallon with my inner circle, saves three cents per gallon every single day. They got pizza, coffee, ice cold fountain drinks. I might go load up on some snacks here after Din Din with my son prepping for a banner Monday night football game Philadelphia at Kansas City. Join the inner circle for free by downloading the Circle K app today. Terms and conditions apply at participating locations. Visit circlek.com for more details. I got a great deal that you need to take advantage of for the next, what, week and a half with our friends over at OGs and, of course, what they've got going on with our friend over at Zenleaf. So if you take advantage, go to zenleafdispensaries.com. You can... 
Place an online order for an in-store pickup at any of your Valley Zen Leaf dispensaries of any OG's products. You're going to get 25% off at checkout. The deal is exclusive to PHNX listeners. Check out ogsbrands.com, see their full product line, then jump over to zenleafdispensaries.com and then make your order. You'll get 25% off with the discount code PHNX at checkout. It's exclusive for our listeners and our viewers, available for online orders that are made for pickup at Zenleaf Dispensaries here in the Valley. Discount code PHNX. It's active until November 30th. So all your gummy needs that you're going to want come Thanksgiving, get those those munchies potentially going, or maybe make uh, that family discussion at the dinner table a little bit more bearable. Go save 25% of it. ZenleafDispensaries.com on all OG's products with the code PHNX. Uh, we're going to be having a big Black Friday sale at gophnx.com, the merchandise locker. But I'll give you a hint as you can get a free hat and or shirt right now today. Become a diehard as we teased on the top of the show. Become an exclusive member of our diehard discord that was popping off. And we were sharing insights as it relates to the team. You can't get anywhere else in advance. Bo's posts and practice highlights that you can't get anywhere else. Plus, you get 100% of the articles, the workings of our PHNX writers for free, including the PHNX Cardinals beat reporter Howard Balzer. He's going to join us later in the show, or excuse me, later this week on the show, talking about what he's got cooking out, Bo, uh, as it relates to some really good stuff. But you can only find it at gophnx.com. You can only get it if you're a diehard. Yeah, get there today. Get to the PHNX locker. You can get there today, but I recommend wait till later this week. Save yourself some coin. You're going to want to get some stocking stuffers, you know, Check off a bunch of boxes as far as your holiday shopping list goes with our upcoming Black Friday sale. You didn't hear it here. We we didn't, you know, maybe let the cat out of the bag too early. I've been teasing it for days. So if anybody yeah. gets me, I'm sorry. I yeah. if we're sorry. not if we're not having a Black Friday sale, what are we doing? You know yeah. what I mean? That's how I that's how I phrase it. Well, this isn't 1995. <laughs> we're not standing in line. Uh picking spreads, two dollars. Whoa, you guys disrespected Cooper DeGene, WTF. No, we're part of the D- D- skinny DeGene's group. he's injured picking spreads i mean as as much as we we want to root for a guy like that to be you know in the first round uh buck some trends that have been going on since jason seahorn's days i mean sure but i just don't think that uh that would be a smart move for monty Asifort to utilize that houston pick for an injured cooper DeGene. As Listen, well as Arizona Animal saying I'm pro white cornerback. I'm pro any ethnicity cornerback, right. any position. Productive if you, if you can play. Yep. Absolutely. We don't play on this show. I mean, we do sometimes, but yeah. we get results because of all of you. Like this video, subscribe to PHNX Sports wherever you get your programming. PHNX Cardinals, leave us a five star review. Brian Baldinger on the program tomorrow, Bo. Super excited to welcome back Baldy. Can't wait for it. Baldy, always dropping the knowledge. He's going to give us some insight on why the Cardinals offense struggled and how Nick Rawls and Gannon, they got that defense to play at a high level in the second half. It's all coming at your way. Tomorrow, big thanks to producer Danielle on the ones and twos today. Behind the scenes, we will check you guys tomorrow at 4.30 here on PHNX Cardinals.